Hey there. So this episode you're about to hear is a little different. We did a two-part series with the ladies of Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. We actually recorded their podcast first and then ours, but just as scheduling worked out, we're going to release ours first. But they're mutually amazing and exclusive, and you don't have to listen to one before the other, and they both cover a lot of stuff. And Kirsten and I were very happily and humbly surprised by how much we learned and how much we had in common with these lovely ladies from a different age group, different demographic. I think you're going to enjoy. You're in for a treat. Welcome to the Boss Bitch Show. We have the honor of having hot flashes and cool topics with us. We have Bridget and Colleen. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. We're excited. So this is a continuation of an episode that we started on their podcast and we're now finishing on ours. So that's exciting. We were talking a lot about BDSM, consent, (laughs) following your witchy instincts. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, real boss bitch shit. And I don't know, we can continue on or we can find out more about you and what makes you a boss bitch. What do you think, Kirsten? Yeah, that's like uh, how we like to start all of our episodes is we ask our guests how they define themselves as a boss bitch. What makes you a boss bitch? you can say bitch on our yes <laughs> yes we can say bitch on oh, yours ours yes, is me all is the words yeah awesome we, we're jealous well we <laughs> yeah. like to that's okay i mean uh, different strokes different folks right and and what's cool is that you know we talk about we talked about on your podcast how we make a difference by helping people be more comfortable talking about sex and and enjoying sex and feeling comfortable in their bodies and being in the world and you are also making a difference with what you're doing. So why don't you tell us about your your show and how that came to be and, and, and the difference that you're making with women in the world? Do you want me to start? Do you want to start? Or you go for it. You jump right on in. Um, you know, I think Colleen and I felt like there just wasn't a lot out there for women in our demographic, which is midlife, 40 plus, 50 plus, 60 plus into 70s. And there were a lot of questions we had surrounding everything, a lot to do with our health, things that we weren't weren't being answered around menopause, around hot flashes, around sex, because a lot of women, their libido drops whenever they are in our age or demographic, and they don't know why. I can remember asking one doctor, and it was just kind of like, yeah, that's just, you know, your time of life. And I thought, this is isn't right. Come on, say it. This is bullshit. Go ahead, Bridget. You can do it. I can say it. (laughs) And it looked like you wanted is, to, you were like, I wanted so badly. And I've been holding it in for, I was an elementary teacher for 17 years. So everything <laughs> is so suppressed and I just got to let it go. Uh, but we just wanted some answers and we really want to share that with other women as well, just to all kinds of things, because we really need women want to know. And then there's the taboo around talking about things like this, that when Colleen and I were brought up, it was like, Nice girls don't talk about that. Oh, that's embarrassing. Don't say that. But women really want to know what's going on. So that's one of the reasons, Colleen, add anything else you'd like. Um, Yeah, I mean, we started the podcast in September of 2019, right before the pandemic hit. And like Bridget said, we kind of started it to get our own questions answered. But as we went along, we realized that there was a definite demographic need 
for information. And it's not just about menopause. We call ourselves the voice for women in midlife and beyond. So we talk about everything from, you know, yes, menopause to dating, to relationships, to health, to wellness, to cool. We added the cool topic sense to add any kind of cool topic we want to talk about. And we thought, oh, well, are we going to run out of topics? And it just keeps going. And we were kind of like right before the word menopause became cool, you know, now all of a sudden women can talk about menopause and they're not, you know, they don't turn four shades of red and there are celebrities now starting brands for menopause and it's becoming more mainstream, but the dialogue still has so much negative connotation to it. Being in midlife has such a negative connotation to it. And like, to be perfectly honest, I have 10 months in before I'm completely menopausal. I got two more months. I cannot wait to throw out the pads, the tampons, be able to vacation when I want. I don't want more kids. Why would I want my period? Like women have such a kind of idea that it, it's like the end of something. Like you're no longer fertile. So what is your purpose? And oh my gosh, the next, oh, you, you don't know how many women feel that way. Wow. And the next 30, 40, 50 years, you can do whatever you want. Like this is just the start. So it's sad when we hear women say, my kids left, I'm no longer the CEO of a corporation. I don't, you know, I'm not fertile anymore. What's my purpose? So it doesn't Ooh. matter that you've lived half your life. You still don't know what your purpose is. And we're like, it's whatever you want it to be. Like you get to, you're number one now, you get to choose. And that's a privilege. You've earned it by living through these mm. years. So it's been interesting. We've definitely learned a lot. That, wow. that is amazing. And I think what's also interesting right now, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've like heard in the news about how, you know, we have a birth rate that's dropping and that like millennials and Gen Z are not having children or they're having children much later. Uh, they're not getting married as much. And what's funny about, you know, what you're saying is that like, it's always been your choice. It's always been your choice from when you were, even when you were fertile or, or able to have a child, you know, like you've always had that choice. And I think that's sort of what's happening with the younger generations now is they're realizing that they do have a choice and that it, it's not automatic that they have to do all these things. They have to get married and have children and, and, um, and not only that associate their worth with those things. Um, exactly. So, yes. Kind of down conversation. Hope, hopefully, becoming less patriarchal uh, mm -hmm. society. I, I don't mean, know about that. It I seems know like... it's, you think it's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, our daughters don't have the same rights that we did in a lot yeah. of places. Ooh. So Which you is know, frightening. it's yeah. very frightening. Um, so it, you know, we're, on the one hand, it's so nice that they're more that people are more open. And they're ready to talk about things, but there's, you know, everything's very split and divided and people trying to push people down that are really trying to express themselves. And, and it's not selfish. It's not at all selfish that people have those choices. It's, it's about having the choice to say, you know, I'm not ready to have children yet, or I don't ever want to have children, mm -hmm. or I don't ever want to get married, or I do want to get married maybe someday, but I don't want to get married now. So mm -hmm. I am seeing a lot of that, especially with the younger generations, but it's it's really um, amazing. Sometimes Colleen, when I will have guests where they never wanted to get married, they're child-free by choice. That's fantastic. And then you have some that feel like they are missing something because they didn't do it. And 
I think that that is put on them by the way they were brought up. It's put on them by this was expected of you. But like you said, um, that it is really, it's your choice. You don't have to fulfill what your mother wanted or what your grandparents wanted out of you, that you have this time to make these decisions for yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of that in terms of like our mothers wanting certain things for us, you know, I have a lot of empathy for our mother's generation and because they were taught that that gave you security and safety. And that's just not the case today. That's just, you know, marriage doesn't necessarily mean financial financial security. I know a lot of people having very expensive divorces right now. So it doesn't necessarily mean security. And I think that that was so drilled into like the boomer generation. And sometimes I have to filter things that my mother says through that because she's worried for my safety because it was drilled into her that marriage meant security, that partnership meant security, that partnership meant you're valuable, that all of those things gave you value being, being, you know, married and being, I don't know why I put that in quotes, being married (laughs) or being able to have children that that like gave you value as a woman. And I don't want to discount that Rachel and I live in New York City, and we are also surrounded by a lot of other incredible women that some are married, some are not, some have children, some don't, but we're surrounded by um, so much diversity that I don't want to discount that there are places in our country that if you aren't married with children, you are not included. Like that there are places in our country where like, that is a huge part of community. So I think that's important to recognize. Well, you know, my, my, I have two daughters, one's 27 or about to be 27 and one's 24 and they were raised in Florida. So they were raised in a very kind of open, we're liberal environment. We moved to Tennessee about six years ago, which is like night and day when it comes to being liberal versus conservative. We live in a very conservative area of Tennessee. And my older daughter, you know, dated her high school sweetheart, got married. You know, she's in school right now getting her PhD. She's kind of followed the path that her father and I did because we met at the same high school. Now imagine being the younger sister of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Imagine, and my younger, my younger daughter who is amazing, but 180 degrees different. She's bisexual. Imagine being bisexual in Tennessee, not the easiest thing to be. And she's like, I got to get out of here. I have Mm -hmm. got to get out of the state. I've got to be where people welcome me. And Mm -hmm. she's, you know, she's looking at the new England area because it is somewhere where it's more welcoming. And I have to respect that as much as I hate that she's not going to be like right here with me. You got to fly. You have to be you, you know, and you have to be accepted and welcomed and appreciated outside your home. Cause that's, she already is here for who you are. And if you can't find that where you live, then move, then find a place where there is, because there are still, like you said, a lot of places that define your worth by who you're married to, how much money you make, are you gay or straight? All these different things. And it's just a shame that society is wasting their time. Really worrying about that stuff. Wasting yeah. it. And, and they're missing out. They're missing out on some fabulous people just because they're letting things like this getting their way. And, you know, it is my children do not live in Tennessee. Um, they Neither of them really lived here that long. We moved here after they were out of high school, but they both have moved to uh, my son's from lives in California and my daughter lives in Austin, 
Texas. <laughs> so let's just the blue dot of it, yeah. you know, sure, in, yeah. because they just they saw what was going on. And I'm glad that they feel very open to be able to express themselves, but they definitely feel more welcome where they now live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, what's happening in this country and in the world is very much the pendulum swinging because, you know, it's like we 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 push for change. And then the people who are afraid of it or don't understand it, they push back. And it's a lot of this. And I was walking around with this anger and fear and and frustration about like abortion rights being taken away. And and I'm not saying that that's okay. It's not okay. But, you know, look, we, we got to witness the first black president and a lot of the country went, whoa, 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 what's happening and then you had the the pushback and then you had the pushback again with Black Lives Matter. And it's it's a lot of this back and forth. And unfortunately, it's just kind of what this country does before change actually happens. And I don't think any of us ever thought the Roe versus Wade would be rescinded mm-hmm. like this. It's just oof. It, it's very it's really frightening. It's scary. You know, yeah. it's very frightening. I, I am frightened for my daughter in Texas. It's something should happen for her and now where we are now in Tennessee um I think just is it tomorrow that law goes into effect yeah uh that there's no rights there's no rights that's just like medical rape incest there's no rights and I'm sorry I got off on this kick but it's frightening and and I'm worried about future we have daughters we have daughters and another nice thing about menopause is you don't have to worry about that (laughs) you don't don't. but yeah you don't have to worry about that but you are worried about my children yeah yeah I'm worried for females I mean I'm just worried so yeah there's that (laughs) But, you know, you still worry, even if it doesn't affect you in menopause, but there are so many things that do affect you during this time of life. And um, I do know a big thing we get from people is libido just going down, that, that your libido just wanes. And that causes a lot of problems if you can't be open and honest with your partner. And if you can't be honest, if you can't get answers, a lot of women don't know why. Their partner may not understand why desire has waned. And it's very scary. Unfortunately, we have found some really great doctors that are able to explain it. But the sad thing is a lot of gynecologists that you go to don't have the answers because a lot of gynecologists or OBGYNs were barely trained in their training to deal with menopause. They were maybe trained a day. And and basically we're trained, hey, that's when women's periods stop. Okay, move on, next page. And wow. we're it, if you find a NAMS certified doctor, uh, you're gonna find a really good doctor there. NAMS is a North North American North menopause. Um, Amazing society. Wow. Yeah, North society. American menopause society has a lot of questions answered. So is and it, I, and I did yeah. want to mention with menopause, you know, there's eight to ten years before you go into menopause, ladies, get ready before you're actually in menopause is 12 months of no period, just so you know. So when you go through 12 months of no period, you're officially one day you're in menopause and then everything is post every symptom and experience you have, which could last eight to 10 years is peri. So a lot of women start perimenopause early forties. You guys are not that far away from starting to feel those wonderful hot flashes and night sweats, (laughs) night night sweats. sweats. But um, (laughs) one of the things that 
we're concerned about is that there is a large percentage right behind teenage pregnancies of perimenopausal women who are getting pregnant. And mm. it's your periods are all, all of a sudden not normal. They're not every 28, 30 days that you're expecting. And all of a sudden you get pregnant and you weren't planning it and you're 45 and you don't want that, you know, you don't want that experience. You're not at that stage of life. And we're not only taking away the rights of younger women, it runs the gamut. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's yeah. something to consider and be aware of that just because you don't get your period every month does not mean you cannot still get pregnant. Right. Yeah. In fact, your estrogen levels are going all over the place during that time of life. And that is why a lot of times you see a lot of multiple births at oh, that wow. stage of life. You could see a lot of twins that people <laughs> surprise twins. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just like literally making the sign of the cross over my head. Like, please. You know? Your Catholic yeah. upbringing right, is coming back. Yeah. Right over my paragard. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's all you, things you have to consider. You, you know? do. You have to think about. But it is amazing with the uh, libido. We have found so many things out there, products out there that companies are making that are available to women. Well, I think I've I've mentioned, or I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast or the other one, about vaginal creams that are help with lubrication, and they also help with UTIs because a lot of women experience UTIs at this stage of life because your skin becomes more fragile. Uh, your it thins out. Skin, yeah, I, it I thins saw out. that face. I yeah, your well, yeah. We have had an entire episode about we called it um the pussy dossier, where I'm a goddamn pussy pharmacist. If anyone wants to um listen to that episode, it's episode one actually. Uh, with Andrea Allen, and we talked a lot about a lot of the issues that we deal with with sexual health, with like yeast infections and UTIs. I used to get constant UTIs, so it's like, and it's it is really crazy that at every stage, there this is not this information is not openly available, and the way that Western medicine typically treats these things is is actually bad, makes the problem worse. Right. Like if I go to my my general care practitioner for a UTI, she's gonna most likely give me an antibiotic. And that mm -hmm. antibiotic is going to cause a yeast infection. And it's going to make that yeast more powerful and antibiotic resistant. And we create, we create a fucking monster and mm -hmm. that monster did get created. And I had a yeast infection for like almost three months straight. Oh at gosh. And the yeah. ways that I had to um, deal with that, the things that actually helped me were not the things from Western medicine were things that like I had to find out by talking to other women, by looking online, by like asking in a fucking Facebook post, like my fucking pussy is a bakery right now. Someone please help. Like, what do I do? And that information is shared between women and unfortunately right. not really mm -hmm. available through like Western medicine. It's insane. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, I have so many friends who have endometriosis, PCOS, and many of these doctors are just like, yeah, you know, deal with it. Or maybe we'll have to do surgery. Maybe we won't here. Take some Advil. And it's like, you know, these women are going through weight gain and facial hair and extreme pain. Just, mm -hmm. I mean, I have a friend who just 
is used to taking herself to the emergency room every couple of months because she's in that kind of pain Uh and has to go because sometimes her cysts erupt and they have to be removed or else who knows what could happen. And it's, it's really, really, it's sad because we, the medical industry still is male dominated and things like women's health and women's pain and and menopause and and these other things, you know, even herpes is just not considered a big deal, but compared to like, oh, cancer and AIDS and men's erectile dysfunction. Yes, oh, I was okay, going to say right? that. Let us get started on men's erectile dysfunction, okay? <laughs> because there are like 4,000 blue pills that you can choose. There's only one FDA approved pill, pink pill for women. One, and I think it's called Addy. Addy, I believe Addy. it's Addy, yeah. So yeah. let's think about male-dominated society where there could be 4,000 ways you can get an erection, but there's only one pill that can help women get aroused. So right. you can see wow. who's dominating that conversation. Right. And, yeah. and, oh, just testosterone, oh, testosterone alone. So when I was experiencing this low libido, I went to get hormone replacement. Fortunately, I I don't have a, a history of breast cancer in my family, so I was able to get that. And then they started testosterone therapy, which was a cream. That is not FDA approved because for women. Testosterone is not FDA approved for women. I had to go to a compounding pharmacy, have it made. And so just, you know, we'll find different practitioners. Now, here we are in Tennessee. We'll find different practitioners that know, okay, women, you naturally make testosterone. Women naturally have testosterone in them. Not as much as men, but we do, but they don't approve it. And so we do have, there are practitioners out there that will make, uh, will prescribe one-tenth testosterone, what they normally prescribe to men. But it is so hard for that prescription to be filled. You might get the prescription, but good luck finding a place to fill it. You will probably need to go to a compounding pharmacy and it helps. Let me tell you. Until you asked me to look for your facial hair. One time she got too much <laughs> testosterone and she started going, do, Emma, do I have a beard? Is my, is my <laughs> the doctor called right after we were um, reporting or recording a podcast and they would check my blood levels. And with the testosterone cream, you can't take it right before you shower and you can't take it right before you exercise. Well, I would go exercise first thing in the morning and then I would shower and then I would put on my testosterone cream. And I, then I had to have blood work one time. And so, you know, exercise, showered, put on my testosterone, went over to blood work. And they're like, they called, your testosterone is really high. Are you getting <laughs> facial hair? Has your voice changed? And I'm like, no. but this is almost in men, like men's, but it's because I'd gone in right after I put it on. Sure. So you do have to be careful with the testosterone. But the fact that you naturally make it as a female, you just don't make as much as a male and they won't approve it for females. Wow. And I wonder how much of that is like based in science or just based in patriarchy and that that we're going to go with the latter on that one. Yeah. And that our society just doesn't want us to have any sort of like maleness. Like I I cannot figure it out. I mean, my husband was like, I said, don't you think that men would really like for women to be, you know, really excited about this. And he's like, yes, he <laughs> said, absolutely. Or just people in general, wouldn't you think that you would want this in your life? I mean, imagine the um, affairs that would not happen and the divorce rate that would go down and the money you wouldn't have to spend 
in, you know, I don't know, alimony or whatever, if, if the, if your libido wasn't going down. Well, I think it really comes down to like, and, and this might sound extreme, but that like medicine and society doesn't care about female pleasure. And because of the way we are anatomically made and the way penetrative, penetrative sex works, that you don't need to be having a good time. You don't need to be enjoying it in order for a man, a man to penetrate you and for a man to have sex. So the medical community doesn't really give a shit. And that is so clear across the board in every single medical issue. I mean, not only when we're talking about abortion, but like it wasn't, it wasn't federally mandated to have women be a part of medical studies until the Mm -hmm. 1990s, the 1990s. Right. All of the tests were majority done on men. So we literally didn't have the data for how these medicines and treatments would actually affect women. The the data was just, the data for men was just applied to women and whatever side effects happened, it was like, oh, whoops. I mean, that's, it's crazy. That's insane. It is. And we have the highest maternal birth death rate. What the maternal death rate? Death rate. In, right. in in a western world yeah in a western mm-hmm. world in a western country mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. well yeah yes. i mean i remember my mom when she started having menopause she was taking hormonal cream and i don't think it was covered by insurance uh i think it was completely out of pocket and you know she just it, it did help her luckily but she was just at her wits end because it was like you know nothing was helping and she was just suffering and thank goodness that that, that it's out there right they like take your blood type and and they they you know that they, they get to know your body and and the the sort of formula that's going to help you thank goodness but yeah thank it's, it's yeah. not it's not offered by by the right and the and honestly if your doctor cannot answer those questions for you find another doctor there are so many women who have been like, I've been with the same gynecologist for 20 years. I don't want to hurt his feelings. Hurt it. No, oh, please. You have to, yeah, exactly. You have Get to be your there. best advocate. Yeah. And there no. are doctors that will prescribe and answer your questions. So keep going till you find Yeah. Them. I used to go to my mom's gynecologist, which was the guy that helped her conceive me, which, you know, in theory, cute, cute, cute. You knew me as an egg and a sperm, kind of nice. But um, also he, he wouldn't give me STI testing unless I specifically asked for it and wouldn't even necessarily do an entire panel. Cause he was like, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You use condoms, right? No, you're like, no, I'm a slut. I'm like, like, no, I, I, were, I'm you, like were you there with me? Did you see what happened? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. doc. I like fucking, I put things in my mouth and my vagina and you know, you can still get certain STIs with a condom. It's just skin on skin. Did you know about that? You know what? <laughs> I'm going to go to a different, I'm going to go to a female gynecologist. Exactly. And yeah, I'm really very grateful for my hot Russian female gynecologist that I talk about a lot because I love her so much, but she really, she learns with me. Like she was always extremely proactive, but then even beyond, she continues to educate herself as she goes and she learns more about herself and, and women's health and just continues continues. I mean, she was the first person to, there's like this special machine that will kind of like squeeze your boob to produce some sort of fluid that you can test before you're eligible for mammograms so that you can be proactive about preventing. I've not heard of that. I haven't heard of that either. That's amazing. I think it's called the halo and she's just great. Yeah. She's just amazing. amazing. You know, that when, is 
when I reach that time, you know, I know she's going to be right there to, you know, give me some great advice. I mean, she was even the one who was like, yeah, Rach, you know, premenopausal, uh, sorry, um, uh, Perry. Perry. Um, no, uh, PMS, uh, oh, pre menstrual syndrome. There you go. So many acronyms. She was like, yeah, I've discovered, and this is just like her being curious and wanting to really help women. She was like, yeah, you know how some people crave salty. Some people crave sweet. Some people have cramps. Some people are moody. She goes, it's all vitamin deficiencies. Yeah. Wow. She was like, yeah, moodiness. I find tense. Don't quote me on this, but it was something along the lines of, oh, moodiness correlates to magnesium. And wanting sweets yeah. relates to calcium and wanting salty relates to the, and I was like, what? So, oh. you know, you know, she needs that. to write a book. She needs right. to write yeah, a book. We, we need her name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you should be a guest, right? <laughs> yes, we need her name. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it's amazing too what we have found, but we had to really hunt to find yeah. these people, which is a shame that we had to hunt that we have a Facebook group and people just don't, you know, know what's going on there are well, and we they have a private yeah we have a, we private, have a private so women feel comfortable yeah well asking and it's great that they can jump in but the number of women that talk to their doctor that are told too bad or won't get a prescription won't even look at into something that are dismissed it is it is just dumbfounding i mean it is just yeah. um, I mean, I even know, I've known women around our age, like in their thirties that know that they don't want to have children. They have incredibly painful periods or endometriosis, and they are looking to have a hysterectomy and doctors will not do it. it well, you used to have to get permission like from, from, your, your, husband, from your husband or your father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, look at the eyes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. And there was one time I was on a podcast a couple of years ago when we first started out and it was a young girl. I would say she was in, when I say young, I mean like mid twenties. And she actually, one of the questions she asked me is, you know, my mom passed away when I was really young. And I've always wanted to ask this to somebody, do you still have sex after you're 50? And I was like, <laughs> oh honey. Okay. We need to have a <laughs> chat. It's much better. It's much better after you're 50. Yeah. Get ready. It gets much better. Um, <laughs> Just, but just get some of that vaginal cream. There you go. Like, I'm she all did... about this vaginal cream. Listen. <laughs> but she actually didn't know the answer to that question. I felt so bad because she didn't have anyone to go to wow. to ask that question. I guess she didn't feel comfortable asking her dad. And it has always stuck with me because I didn't think anyone ever would ever ask me, are you still having sex after you're 50? First, my kids would, they would their they minds would explode you. and they would never ask. <laughs> um but just it's sad that women are not being educated the way they should about their own bodies and their own sexuality. Yeah. yeah I mean, we recently um, interviewed uh, Remy Casimer, who has a wonderful podcast called uh, How Come. And it's the whole podcast was started as her journey to orgasm. She was 28 years old and she had never had an orgasm. And so we had this great conversation with her. And I'm sure you all can relate, you know, with my sex education, I went to an Episcopal private school. The only thing they talked about was STIs. Um, safe sex, the, uh, the risks of pregnancy, there was literally no conversation about female orgasm. They did not say that it came from the clitoris. Like 
the clitoris wasn't, it was like, it was, there was a, a little line on a diagram that said clitoris. They didn't even tell us what it was for. I don't think I really understood until I was 18 years old, where my clitoris was, what it was for, that it could cause an orgasm. I didn't really understand where it was on my body. So like, what does that tell you about our education system, our sex education systems and how they're integrated in our medical system and what that means for women, what that means for women's sexuality, for empowerment, for just them knowing themselves. Right. We had a doctor on recently that had a little model clitoris um, up, like she's a gynecologist. And I didn't know that it, how far back, like the nerve endings go, like she had just a whole little like diagram and held it up. We haven't, I don't think we've had that episode up yet. I don't think we've shared that episode yet. No. If you look at a diagram of the men's um, organ and where their, you know, erectile stuff is, it's very similar. The clitoris is very similar. It's kind of like a piece comes down and then two pieces come back, you know, and it's, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, there's a lot of, amazing. there's a lot of opportunity for stimulation. So like, you don't just have to, you know, as Rachel says, like start the fire and like, you know, rub the shit out of the clitoris. Like there's a lot of ways <laughs> to stimulate that area. And like, and I, and a lot of people, men and women and people of any gender don't fully know the female anatomy because it's not taught to us, which mm-hmm. is, Mm-hmm. so crazy we were at a convention this past weekend in la and one of the vendors actually was making i call it the salad spoons in gynecology you know they spread you when they go to check you oh. i like to call it the salad spoons <laughs> the speculum but, yes the speculum i the personally think they look spoons, like spoons yeah. and so bridget and i were walking oh. by and we saw <laughs> this machine that was like we said, what is this? And she goes, well, it's a speculum that you can use that's comfortable. That's not going to hurt the women. But what was more interesting is they actually had a setup where you could look in it and see what the gynecologist sees when they look inside of you. And I was like, do you mind if I take a picture of this? This is fascinating. And Bridget was like, oh, here she goes. And it just, I never even thought about what and the gynecologist it, Your cervix sees. looks like a, it looks like a lifesaver gummy. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. It's, just, it's like this dot at, in the middle. And you, know, you saw actually, all the cervix. That's really mind blowing that it, it never is. occurred to me to be like, what's it look like? Exactly. But, yeah. but that's wow. fascinating. Like it, it was like, this is what your doctor sees when they are doing their exam, your pelvic exam. And yeah, I mean, like, and that's. Yeah, you know, that's also yeah. relative to the conversation that we hear a lot about like women who have never looked at their vulva that have mm-hmm. like never taken a mirror and gotten down there and been like, what does she look like? And I highly recommend that for every AFAB person to like, just take a look. You well, know? the number of people that don't realize that you don't pee out of your vagina. Oh, <laughs> I mean, there are people that don't know you, that. I yeah. literally just had this conversation with one of my best friends and who he did. I mean, he's a gay man, bless him. So like, I'll give him that credit. But I was like, he said something to the effect of, um, you know, you don't pee out of your vagina, right? And he was like, well, yeah, but like, what would you call it? And I was like, it's a totally different part of your body called the urethra. And he was like, and I was like, just like you pee out of your urethra, except they come out of the same hole. So like they right. 
Yeah. They're not going to do the work. They're not going to do the work to find out. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. 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 Well, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I have a joke about, you know, there are people, even women that don't know the difference between a labia majora and the labia minora, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's like uh, Hanukkah. You give her the right STA, she burns for eight days and eight nights, you know? But, uh, Kirsten, uh, tell the listeners AFAB. Not everybody knows that acronym. Oh, yes. Um, so I am trying to evolve and learn as well with my language. And, uh, I was recently informed that we don't necessarily have to say female because that doesn't include everyone. So assigned female at birth, AFAB mm-hmm. is the acronym. Okay. Can, um, oftentimes cool. be more inclusive. So um, I'm trying to use that more when I'm referring to people that are assigned female at birth that might not be I like that. female. No, that's great. I like it's that. Just a lot of people don't know what that means. So yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Because well, we're I usually... you were just calling us fabulous. I did <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, you are fabulous. I will take that. You yeah. are both exactly. a fab and fabulous. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And we we usually get corrected on something very quickly by our adult children. So <laughs> if we are not in tune with the correct language, we are very quick to be corrected, which yeah. I appreciate. Because I Actually, don't want to yes. hurt somebody's feelings by using the wrong pronouns, the wrong language, and it's evolving. So we're yeah, always- and I think like, you know, just like really quickly on that topic of like, I think, you know, the best way to not make a person feel uncomfortable and uh, make them feel bad is to just take the correction and move on. Yeah. Of like, oh, got it. They. Well, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people don't really think about that non-binary and trans people may have, you know, feminine, like you said, uh, parts that they were born with, how they have to navigate that. So I like that. that AFAB. I like that a lot. I do too. <laughs> yeah. We want to include everybody. Everybody's fabulous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, that's but- true. Yeah. On the note of that thing we went to in uh, California to the Wise Paws Convention, they had, it's really amazing to see at the convention, all the items that they have for women when it comes to sex and when it, where or anybody really could be AFAB or not, or, but they had a really, a an array of items that are available to women. They have dilators, vaginal dilators for people who maybe haven't had sex for a long time. And, and it's different it, sizes, different so you sizes start with a smaller yes. dilator and you can, and they make them so you can stand up. Like you don't have to lay down. You can walk around the house and they're small and then it gets a little bigger and a little bigger. And so if you haven't had sex in a while and you're getting back into the dating scene, you can use these dilators to make you feel more comfortable. Yeah. We've oh heard from a lot so of it- doctors. Yeah. You lo- use it or lose it. They say that a lot, like the muscle. So maybe you haven't had it in a while and you want to have sex. And, you know, they come in all kinds of different sizes. I'm doing Kegels as we speak. (laughs) They make a great Christmas or Hanukkah gift. So just love it. Makes a great stocking stuffer and vagina. I almost was in a commercial for a device that helps you track your Kegels, much like a Fitbit, like a Fitbit for your vagina. Um, Oh my. Of course you are. Oh, wow. it's shocking, right? Um, it's I a device. I don't know about this product. I, I wow. actually it's, do. It's a device. Uh, there used to be just one, but now there's more. Uh, it's a device that you put in your vagina and you do the Kegels and it'll track 
you know, the, the strength of your Kegels and it, you know, <laughs> it'll give you a, give you a nice little chart, you I know, so you can like, she's like, yes. wow. you, know, you can do like, you know, increase your reps as you go, I guess. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're getting I'm stronger. Yeah. Well, you're getting stronger. Your pelvic floor will be incredible wow, by the time you're done. Yes. Wow. Now the dilator, wow. is it, but is it like a butt plug for your vagina it, or is it, it like, kind of, and they come, I've or is seen it like a shoe expander? <laughs> it's not no, it's shoe. more like a butt plug. It's not the shoe. Yeah. It's not the shoe. You don't shoe. Crank, to, crank it up a little bit. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, there's no little, and they come in different they come sizes. They in different colors and different sizes. So like you might yeah. get a set of seven or eight. And you could start yes. small and then you go to the next one and the next one. And so yeah. you have to like use your strength to hold it in or does, does it come? I think, yes. I haven't seen any straps involved or, or what did they used to call those belts way back in the sixties, those Barter. sanitary belts or we're, whatever. I haven't seen one of those to hold it in. We're going to say, check out Dr. Sherry Ross's website, R O S S. She has some dilators on her website that are really Work. helpful. Wow. And she's a gynecologist yeah. that has been doing gynecology, I think for over 30 years. And she's great. She's she wrote great. a book called Sheology and, and a sequel. And basically it talks about the woman and her anatomy from the beginning to the end. So Sheology answers all those questions that maybe women are afraid to ask. That's incredible. Wow. I love yeah. that. And I will tell you one booth that really stood out to me uh, that we were uh -oh. walking to. <laughs> I can't so I, we're walking past these booths and it looks like these beautiful perfume bottles and it was just beautiful. And I, I thought they were perfume, but they were not. They were different types of lubricants. And there was one that was oil-based and one that was water-based. And the water-based ones were if you um, used, I guess, toys and things like that. But then the oil-based one was, I guess not. Was that right? And then she said- I don't know. I just remember there was cannabis and CBD oil in there. There was- and yes, she did use CBD oil and one was uh, salt caramel flavored. And then she had. What did she say about that? She said, because I don't care what you say, nothing tastes good down there. <laughs> or she said something like that. She was a urologist, I believe. But the box that came in was gorgeous. You could order this like set that with this gorgeous black lacquered box and it had a candle and I can't mm. remember what all it had in it, but I thought. Well, gosh, you know, she really, they really put a lot Smart. into this packaging. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Well, so. Oh, wow. That's so funny. I remember back in the day I had a boyfriend for three years and we loved to experiment. And so we got like this, like, you know, body whipped cream and we were all excited <laughs> and it tasted like strawberry plastic. <laughs> and then my second thought was, this is going to give me an infection. So it, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about new products that are not only safe, but they taste great. And, um, I hope <laughs> she's talking about that because, you know, um, vaginas taste just fine. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, they also, they're in fact, I think they taste better than penises, but um, that's just my opinion. You know. They have a lot of products coming out with the CBD and the cannabis. And mm. there's one company called Hello Again. They're out of California. And right now they can only be purchased in California, but I think they're going to be in Michigan soon too, where they do PMS with cannabis suppositories, hangovers, like there, it's not just about menopause. It's, it's a wide variety, oh, wow. <laughs> unintended, you know, why, a wide variety. <laughs> why would someone want CBD or cannabis in their lube though? 
Like oh, it's, these it's, are suppositories. These were oh, these okay. Were, were suppositories. So if you're having PMS cramping or something, you can use the suppository. It's supposed to help you release some of that. If you're having right. a hangover, it's supposed to be helpful. And if you're having hot flashes, there's so they have like a wide variety. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great question, Kirsten, because I actually did go to an event at um, there's like a women's workspace. I don't know if it still exists. Years ago, Rebecca and I went to um, make a CBD lube. Um, the advantages of CBD lube. Yeah. Cause you can make it yourself. Apparently, uh, we didn't stay for that part cause the beginning was so boring, but, uh, we really <laughs> wanted to, and I did learn the effects and benefits of it. Yeah. So the CBD can help women relax, it can uh... help relax your vagina and, you know, put your pussy at ease, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and help her. Yeah help the flower open up a little easier, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. you know, a lot of people have anxiety around sex yeah. and penetration yeah. and maybe haven't had a dilator, you know, available mm -hmm. to them. So yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. And I think, I don't know, for me, when I smoke weed, I tend to get really horny. So I think it may help with um, that as well, because okay. uh, it increases sensitivity. Ah, fun. Oh. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. How did you know all that? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Well, and it's know, nice to share it. It's nice to share it. Yes. So other people know that this is available. And I think that's, that is one of our goals is to just let women know what's available to them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we love sharing educational facts and, and things, um, there's so much to talk about with the vagina mm -hmm. um, and yes. sex. Um, I think it's a yeah. good time for us to do the big deck energy cards. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why am I afraid? No, 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 no. no. Don't be afraid, Rilla. No, no, this is, this is great. This You're is um, what we do is we like to, much like boss bitch, we like to take back words that have become stigmatized in our society and the world. And so, yeah, so we have made the big deck energy cards. So it's kind of like tarot and I have this little deck of cards yeah. and I shuffle them and um, we could do one for each of you. Yeah. yeah what do you think? I think that'd be um, okay. So Colleen, why don't you go first? Tell me when to stop. Okay. Ooh, you got witch. Yeah. Okay. We I love to take back the word witch. Um, here's. Mm -hmm. Here it is, so, which, a mystical, intuitive creature who wields powers unknown and is the mistress of her universe or their universe. I like that. Yes. I like that title. I'll take it. Yeah. And so here, <laughs> here is like the, the affirmate or the, um, I don't know. So we do it upright and reverse kind of like tarot, right? So, Ooh, you are clicked into the universe, bitch. Your intuition is on point. You are manifesting your magical pussy. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me, what? sorry. Here we go. You just stopped at a good point. Wait, what happened? Your magical manifesting pussy might intimidate some, but that's likely because their frontal fucking lobes aren't fully developed. Cast a spell on them. You cunt. <laughs> oh, thank you thank you oh man all right uh, uh, reactions okay. thoughts feelings 
I think bit, uh, witch gets a bad rap. I really do. Oh, I do too. I think uh, being I, intuitive is amazing. And it's, it's actually a gift. I think a lot of women have that they're afraid to use, you know, your mm-hmm. intuition leads you. And as you get older, you trust it more and more. So I'm yeah, fine yeah. with it. I love amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and the affirmation is I craft my world as I see fit. I am connected to my highest purpose. I am made from the magical dust of those who burn before me. Now I set the world on fire. I am a witch, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and Colleen got me a bewitched shirt when there she went you to go. Salem. Who so knew? she's yes, yes. I kind of like Salem. I oh, like Salem yes. is fine. So maybe there's something to that. absolutely i i truly believe that there is something to that that you know women have been intuitive and have had um high emotional intelligence that's the way that we're built and that that is very i mean we women we literally have the ability to take spirits and create them in the physical form some of us do and not all women have have that ability but that's very intimidating I would imagine to men and I would imagine that a lot of our patriarchy has to do with suppressing that 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 power power. and controlling it and controlling when we are when and how we are able to do that I agree agree. amazing um Mm -hmm. yeah and and you know our intuition is like whoa you know you really (laughs) listen to it and it's like oh hey you know mm. okay bridget okay stop. stop oh she got whore upside <laughs> upside oh, I down got, i don't think we've gotten this one yet and she got upside down whore ha <laughs> <laughs> go. right. oh this is exciting this oh, is very good. exciting for all of us <laughs> i love well that our definition of whore is a person who enjoys pleasure and celebrates it. And here is your beyond definition. You're, you're upside down. Are you disconnected from your inner whore? Not feeling sexy? Have no fear. Your whore is always right there waiting for you to tap in and turn on yourself with yourself or a lucky partner or partners of your choosing. Okay, Bridget. All right. Uh, John's going to be so happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Are you ready for your affirmation? Sure. I am a fucking whore. Sex is waiting for me. I just need to take it consensually, of course. I freely and joyfully share my body. My sexual energy is my creative energy. I manifest more pleasure in my life by allowing myself to experience and co-create it in my body, mind, and soul. And you're going to repeat that to John later. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's in Atlanta tonight. So I could over the phone or or whatever. Anyway, I want to manifest it. Yes. Anyway, I want to manifest it. Sexy FaceTime, you know? (laughs) Yes. Makes it interesting. He's going to be really thrilled. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to be really happy to hear that. Oh, my God. No, my husband will like that I got picked the witch. You witch. <laughs> well, give us your first impressions of like hearing the word whore, because I feel like that I, is like a very you know, triggering word for some people. At this age, it's actually, yeah. So what? If I'd heard that age, probably when I was 20 or 15, I would have been like, oh. It's you so know, shocking. Like, I got to be honest. It's, it's shocking, so shocking. But yeah. it, but to me, it's really not as much as it was. It's not. 
you know, it's so funny. Um, I have nine sisters and they, we were talking about some situation, a family business. And she, one of my sisters on our group text said something about, you know, that woman, she was the store whore. (laughs) And it was talking about a store where someone worked and called the person the store whore. And, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like the word whore, you know, I, I feel like now a different thing. I think it's, I think these women that whatever, if you, the classic term of whore being a sex worker or whatever, like, well, they're doing, they're doing work. They're trying to make some money. They're trying to get by the best they can. And if this is what somebody's going to pay them to do, then they're just trying to make money. And it's, it's interesting. My son feels like prostitution should be legal. Um, He feels like that. Well, when we go to Amsterdam, it's legal. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about this. Well, they've got police protection if it's legal. Perhaps there would be less sex trafficking if it were legal and things were under control and they had police protection. They had their little light out there and all they would have to do is whatever flick or signal a police officer. Someone is physically scaring them or trying to do something to them. And I'm thinking, you know, kiddo, you might be right. (laughs) You know, that maybe it should be legal. Maybe it would. And I, I feel like for me, it doesn't really have the connotations that it had. And it also maybe makes you feel like, well, I'm kind of a, got a say in what's happening to me and I've got some control of what's happening. So I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, call, answer. so Colleen, next time we're at an event, you could say, this is my co-host, my co-host the whore Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Really turn those yeah. women upside down. Yes. Yeah. No, wow. actually in Amsterdam, they are, uh, they have a union. They have a sex. Uh, yeah. 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 So it's they incredible. have. Mm-hmm. It's a very complex. I mean, that's like a whole it other. Episode. A whole, that's yeah, another that's a whole episode. Yes, it's yes, a very complicated yeah. issue of legalization in the United States because we had like FOSTA SESTA, which really screwed over sex workers, and um, le- so legal legalization is very touchy. I I would say regulation might be right. a, a first step, um, and protections, um, so that's. That's like a whole. Yeah, that could literally be a whole. Yeah, or just decrim- <laughs> you could do a decriminalization. decriminalization. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. That could yeah, be a that'd be a good starting spot. Um, well, and I think you know, um, and I say this often, you know, and I've said it like in my standup that when people have a moral issue with sex workers, but they don't have a moral issue with NFL football players or coal miners, you that that are also using their body for work that are also essentially selling their body for work. I think that the issue is more about women having autonomy over their sexuality and how they use their sexuality to maybe earn a living. And, you know, and I'd also like to say that a lot of sex workers don't do it because it's a last resort. They do it because they want to do it and it's fun and they enjoy it. And that's how they want to earn money. And that's cool. You know, everyone's allowed to have their own boundaries. If, if you're not comfortable with that, don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like abortion. If you're not comfortable with abortions, don't have one. Don't have one. Right. right. You know? Yeah. Awesome. Indeed. What about well, <laughs> we really ran the gamut of conversations. Sure yes. <laughs> um, why don't you tell us where we can find you? You can find Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast 
wherever you listen to podcasts, you can download it. We also have our website, hotflashescooltopics.com. And we're pretty much on every social media platform, even TikTok, frighteningly enough. And uh, we're, we're getting there. And we understand. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on that. But yeah, you can pretty much find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Fantastic. Great. Well, this has been an awesome extended conversation covering many, many topics. Truly. Um, yeah. So fun. Thank you for having us. Thank yes, you. Thank, thank you. you. This for was having so much us. fun. It's a pleasure.